Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, welcome. Welcome to the show, to uh, January 14th specifically. Uh, my apologies for not uh, being here yesterday, but uh, believe me, you wouldn't want me to be here yesterday. I'm not uh, particularly uh, my usual energetic self today um, either. Uh, but my sister Susan is here to uh, help me through, uh, and I'm glad of that. Hi, Suze. Good morning. Ooh, gee. I'll do my. <laughs> Jeez, what kind I'll of... do my best. What's wrong with you? Are you okay? Nothing. I, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just, it's you're... just um, very early morning here. And oh, oh, I see. You're just all stuffed up. Well, don't blow your nose in our ear. But is that what your voice? Not. Sa- I mean, it's it's not gravelly. It's just deep as hell. But it's very deep, right? Good right. morning. All right. Well, good morning to you. S- Susan is in um, California. Uh, hey, it was seventy degrees here Saturday. What was it in uh, Palm Springs? Oh, I, I I don't think it's been seventy degrees yet. <laughs> um, maybe maybe mid afternoon a couple of times. It's um, probably now it's about forty five degrees, and by mid afternoon it'll be about sixty five. It's you know it's yeah. perfect as far as I'm concerned. The, the Wall Street Journal did a, a piece on uh, Palm Springs and, and talked about how it became this uh, getaway place for the Hollywood types because under the studio system, um, they were pretty much, you know, enslaved to the studios and by contract had to be, I guess, within th- two hours or something of... Of, of the studio of at the all times. Studio, yeah. and so they, someone happened upon this dusty uh, little uh, town, and um, I guess, I think Liberace was one of the first to hole up out there. And I, yeah, I think it was really it was I think it was someone like Sinatra or someone that that started doing this. Um, but it's it's a neat place. I. As much as you know, I go. Uh, I, it's fun here. There's, you know there's what, all the, sorts of things to do. Yeah, someone was quoted in it as saying what um, I have often said about uh, the people I see at the Pittsburgh Symphony. They they said the average age um, is uh, deceased. <laughs> <laughs> but th- but that's not true. Not anymore. Not anymore. Uh-uh. And as usual, I think it's gay people that saved it. Well, the yeah, Palm Springs proper is very gay. It was totally saved by by gay people. Right, and it continues that way. But that also it was interesting because um, that that uh, coincides with golf here, ah. and so a lot of the, a lot of the women golfers in this in that sport um, are gay, right. and so and this is the headquarters of a lot of winter golf. So. It it, it 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 comes at it from two directions, um, and I don't think golf had anything to do with the gentrification of Palm Springs uh, by uh, by uh, gay people with good taste, which we always rely on. <laughs> you mean there are? Wait a minute. You mean there are gay people without good taste? I do, yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sure, there are. You know, there are black people that can't, can't dance. dance. I'm sure there are. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> We're. We're getting ourselves into like scary places here. Okay. We are getting into terrible trouble. There are Jews that are bad at business. Talk oh, I, I, I do remember <laughs> long ago, probably in the seventies, uh, I was out there and Mom and I were walking around uh, following the Dinah Shore Golf Tournament was going on. That was a woman's tournament, and that's when it became apparent that this was going to be very much a sort of a lesbian, uh, you know, mecca, and we were walking around just one of a million, what looked like, mom said, geez, everyone's going to think we're lovers. (laughs) And I said, well, they'll they'll think I have good taste. All right. All right. So enough of this. 
I'm, right. I'm, they, would, they would have thought that you won big time. When you, absolutely. Yeah. Don't you think anyone might have thought she did good, too? I guess. Anyway. I don't know. I give up on that. I mean, you know, I, I, I hang out with her all winter now for five years, and no one to date has given me a compliment. <laughs> uh, she gets seven a day. All right. Well, that's just the way it is. God the knows. biggest compliment I got is that someone always calls her my sister. Yeah. That's a compliment? That's a compliment to her. Right. Of course. But it right. means that I look enough like her to be her sister anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Even no, if she's just... 30 years older than me. <laughs> Excuse me. I exaggerate. 29. 29 years. Yeah. Okay, so we're avoid. There's so much god awful news uh, no, happening. We are totally avoiding it. Well, yeah, and um, uh, apparently the House will be sending the uh, articles of impeachment uh, over tomorrow. They're going to vote on it tomorrow, I guess. Then they just send it right over. Yeah, how can how can they ignore this new little piece about the Russians hacking? Um, Hacking, hacking into that same company trying to turn up the information that and Trump or, wants. by yeah. the way, plant the information. Right. I mean, it's just so unbelievable. Everything, you know, it's so out in the open. Trump is being impeached in large part because he was trying to strong arm the, uh, you know, Zelensky in, in Ukraine uh, to get him dirt on uh no, let's go let's go uh, way back to the beginning Lynn. let's talk about how from day one we were talking about collusion with russia yeah. yeah and and i mean working along parallel lines towards the same goal after three years begins to look like collusion <laughs> yeah i mean it's just so obvious so in your face so apparent it's it's as if they don't even bother sort of covering their tracks so because trump wants this information his buddies at the uh what is it now it used to be the kgb gru i think uh yeah whatever yeah go go and hack uh the the company that hunter biden sat on the board of and um looking for something uh, that will help Trump uh, win re-election. And so here we go again. What the hell? I mean, th these are the same guys that hacked into um, Hillary Clinton's emails, the DNC. Um, and, and now, because, and that was Trump literally asking them to. And now here we have it again. And it's it's just mind-blowing. It's just mind-blowing. I, 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 I sort of give up. I think well, to quote to, to quote our fearless leader, it doesn't matter. matter. Oh, I said they were targeting four embassies, uh, and my defense secretary and my national security advisor never heard of that. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, clearly he just makes it up. Where? What is with the people around him that they are willing to cover up? His lies. I mean, we're talking about heavy-duty national security issues. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Meanwhile, oh, I got some. I got some news. Good news. Can I do good news? Please. Okay. It involves a guy named uh, Diego. I don't know if you've heard of this. Um, Diego is over a hundred years old and, um, he's going strong. This is great news. Diego, uh, was born in Ecuador in, uh, the, the Galapagos and, um, so that well, he, he has some tortoise DNA. He has some, <laughs> <laughs> What did you say? He has tortoise DNA? Yeah, sure. They live a long time. Yeah, yeah. So he was, and um, anyway, he single-handedly 
Well, not quite. First of all, he doesn't have a hand. What do they have? Claws? He single-clawedly saved his entire species from extinction. Diego. I'm looking at... Oh, he is a tortoise. Oh, I thought you knew that. You were just... Yes. He is a... um, No, I was just making that (laughs) up. He's not just a tortoise, Susan. He's a giant tortoise from the Galapagos. Yeah, they needed he's and he's breeding, is he? Well, no, he's been he's been sent out to pasture. That's what the story is about. He has been so prolific that they decided, okay, that's done. Those tortoises ain't going to be extinct. Diego, you're amazing. You can you can retire. So he's over 100, and he's finally going to retire. And the cuteness of the story is that um, the effort to save these tortoises didn't begin until, like, 1970. Um, When there were, you know how many there were left? Fourteen. That was it. Fourteen, 12 females and two males. And um, so these environmentalist types... Uh, took those 12 females and two males and, uh, you know, got them in a situation where, well, things might happen. And one of the males turned out to be a total washout. Couldn't perform. The other male was really good, but sort of shy. In 1976, six years later, they found another male. Enter Diego. He was found not in the he was found not in the wild, he was found in the San Diego Zoo, where he had been living for thirty years. So Diego's life story, they figure he was probably hatched in about uh, who knows, nineteen thirty and uh, lived for a while, you know, like he was supposed to, and then somebody grabbed him, and somehow he ends up, yeah, as a zoo animal. Um, Diego is responsible. Well, you have to end up, let's just say, if you have to end up in a zoo, that's a good Diego zoo. one is a pretty nice right. one. Anyway, <laughs> the people who watch Diego charm the ladies uh, for the last 25 years or more, said he's just amazing, Um, huge personality, (laughs) quite aggressive, active, and very vocal in his mating. Now, the other male who was doing it actually is responsible for more births than Diego, but he's such a nobody likes him. So Diego got all the attention, even though when they do the DNA of the of the now over a thousand, there's 2,000 now of these turtles. Yeah, the, other guy, the other guy was actually scoring, but Diego was warming them up. That's right. warm up there. Yeah, right. So Diego is responsible for 40%, 40%. And the other guy, who they didn't even bother naming, he's so dull, they just call him E5. E5 was responsible for 60%, but he is, uh, as they say in the piece, less charismatic and much more reserved and prefers to do the deed in the dark so no one ever saw him. Um, so anyway, Diego uh, fully stretched out. These guys, he's not only over 100 years old. If you stretch him out, you know, tell, his neck comes out of the shell and out he goes. He is um, five feet. That's wow. a, that's yeah, a big that's guy. Huge. Yeah, and he, he weighs about 176 pounds, got a lot of life still in him. And what's so wonderful to me about this story is that almost 80 years, they figure, after he was grabbed by somebody when he was just 20-something years old, and uh, brought to the United States, um, he is not going back to the zoo. They are putting Diego back on Española Island where he hatched 
and he will live out the rest of his life where he was supposed to <laughs> uh, uh, in nature. Well, what a happy story. Isn't that a great story? And it's a totally successful attempt to take a species back from the brink. So, you know, when they started, they had 14 of these tortoises, and now there are over 2,000. Wow. And they think Diego. Yeah. And E5. And E5. You too, E5. You too, E5, who we don't know anything about because, frankly, you know. And by the way, I'd like to say that if E5 did all of his work in the dark, you don't know whether he was a charmer between the sheets or not. (laughs) Apparently, he was. Yeah, you don't know. But Diego was a showman, you know. Diego charmed everybody. (laughs) I'm looking at a picture of him. Yeah, he's cute. And apparently, yeah, he's loud. Yeah, he he makes, you know, look at me, look at me. So, uh, God bless him. That that story just you know, it made my made my weekend, which was not a good weekend. Make your sick little weekend. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, um okay, do we have to wade into some of this other crap? What else? Um I you know, I am done talking about the horror, horror du jour, the tweet du jour. I just don't. I can't, and I can't believe our media still are. Um, he, I can't either. He, they should just ignore him. Ha, but he's the president, and you I can't don't care. ignore the president. Um, so the debate, there's a debate tonight. And, uh, and Cory Booker dropped out. Cory Booker dropped out. Um. Who's still hanging in there who's not on the debate? Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, Tom Steyer's in the debate. How did he get in that debate? Yeah, Tom, I don't know how he, well, he's because he spent enough Because he's a billionaire. To, to yeah. poll properly. Yeah. 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 But it's yeah. a two-pronged thing. You have to be able to poll, too. Yeah. Well, whatever. Yang didn't make it this time. Why's that? I get a kick out of him. I don't know. I do, too, but is anybody actually voting for him? Yeah, the people really like him. I don't know. I like Yang. I think he talks a great deal of sense on many subjects. Um, So, you know, you got a a log jam um, right now. And I I just want to say the whole primary process is so mucked up so messed up, so stupid. Why? Why would the Democratic Party, a party whose signature is that it is diverse, that it's an intaker of all the people the Republicans apparently fear, people of color, people who are not cis, white, uh, all this, all the, the, first of all, why do we allow Iowa and New Hampshire, I know the question has been asked, but why and how do they get to set the terms, the first, I mean, because it is important in terms of how media cover this. They tell us it's important. Who, who turned the heads of the folks in Iowa as unrepresentative a state? And then we move on to New Hampshire, even more unrepresentative a state. It's Whiteville. Why would we allow our nominee to go through a system that that is not designed to pick our best candidate? Well, is it perhaps because racism <laughs> is more institutionally entrenched than we ever think about? Well... Listen and that we, we guarantee ourselves our place by these systems that for some reason we refuse to rethink or redo or relocate. Well, you ask a good question. Why I don't you put know. it in the middle of a place where there is no diversity? Who's in control? To... Who is in control right. of the primary I mean, process? Isn't it the, de- the Democratic Party? This is not clear. This is not accidental well but it's tradition 
you know, the stink that would be, I, I don't uh -huh. know, but and it's, where are our traditions are, yeah, in, this country. In, in, yeah, white people, white males only. Um, yes, and entrenching white power. So you ask a good question, and you're absolutely right. It's time to blow that system up. But we haven't blown up it up for this most important primary season. Oh, they've they've nope. done all this thinking of you know about who gets to go to the debates. You need this much in the polls and that much. How about getting rid of this idiotic primary system that gives the people, the white folks of Iowa and New Hampshire, unbelievable power to choose the nominees of both major parties. Yeah, well, this isn't the problem. Is, is this is the wrong time to have this conversation? The right time to have this conversation is immediately. Was four years the ago. Election. Yeah, it was four years ago. Yeah. I, I, it, it's just mind-boggling. Um, it is, but everywhere you turn, it's to keep the same people in power. Here or we wouldn't change these systems. This isn't this isn't rocket science. Yeah. Here is something that we. Um, here are some suggestions that people have proffered for you know creating a better way. Uh, one, the primary calendar should rotate every four years with the first states to hold primaries, always including a mix of states, large, small, young, old, urban, rural, coastal, and heartland. There should, we should, you know, there should be a primary, a f initial primary, with, where like six states are first out of the gate, right? Yeah, and that should all be at once. Well, I don't mind the stagger, like six states out of the gate, and then three weeks later, another six states out of the gate. Um, I, I mean, here's somebody else who says this. You know, with primaries, uh, voter turnout is usually pretty abysmal. So uh, it's, a, it's just a subset of party people that decide and it's the most politically active obviously so for the republicans it tends to be the most conservative for the democrats it tends to be the most liberal so and this is a you know long-standing problem so they tend to nominate uh candidates that are not as centrist as the larger general electorate is um somebody has said there should be a quorum requirement uh, in order for the results to be recognized of any primary. So uh, let's say a quorum requirement of just 30% or 40% of ele eligible voters, because we don't get that high. 40%? Um, you don't get 40% at any off-election. Well, then how? Uh, well, then, uh, I, I mean, I don't... Okay, that's one idea. Another is this idea that some states have started to embrace ranked voting um, so you got all these candidates in front of you and what you do is you don't vote for just one you list in order who you like one two three four okay and right and then they do the math they right. do the math and um, so that anyone, I don't know, somebody who didn't place first could actually end up being the winner because they were most people's second choice. And that would give you a better, I would think, candidate as, as that well. Would, that would give you a better consens consensus candidate, absolutely. And, I mean, you know, and then there's states like, uh, like my old home state, Missouri, where um, at the primary... You can take uh, any ballot you wish. So if it's if an the open primary, is on the is 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 on the on the Democrat side. Any Republican right. can go over can Wisconsin cross does over that. Vote. Yeah, yeah, for either the best or the worst. However you want to, you know. 
Well, that's for race. that's for mischief makers. I mean, I think the open primary is actually a little nuts because, it, you know, if for instance I'm taking a Republican ballot, I would vote who I think would be the the loser candidate. I would have voted for Trump. Oh, he's gonna lose. No, you see, no, no, and I, in actual practice, always voted if I did that for whom I thought would be the best candidate on the other side. So that I'd have a fighting chance at a good leader. Uh-uh. I think most people are like me. Mischief makers. It, it depends. Um, here's another thing. A lot of these primaries are winner take all. Which is BS too. Because what's being won? What's being won are these electors. So... Let's say uh, one candidate uh, gets, uh, you know, most votes, but the second candidate is right on their tail. They get nothing. That second candidate gets no representation at the convention if in a winner-take-all state, which I think most states are. Why are not these the results then proportionally uh, put down in terms of electors? I mean, it is just the most, you couldn't design a stupider system. You could not. Well, well, perhaps it's designed to make the people feel like they are in control and allow the powers that be to be the manipulators of the control. Right, right, right. It gives the appearance of giving people power. And gives the appearance of democracy. Yeah. I it it makes me nuts. I and, mean and, if that's the same argument for the Electoral College, if it stands, huh. you should not have winner take all states. Right. The because you are disenfranchising your own voters. And and um and the the uh the Electoral College, in my view, if it stands, should be apportioned according to the vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurt has written in about uh, Diego. Um, he says, yeah, it's easy to be a big man at the zoo. Well, it wasn't the zoo. It was a conservation center. Yeah. Big man at the zoo with handlers bringing your mates to you. We'll see how Diego does on his own when he has to use Turtler, like Grinder. <laughs> made up a, a dating app like Grinder. Turtler. <laughs> well, in uh, another news, if you do use Grinder, yeah. uh, your your information will be pinpointed and sold to four thousand companies. Exactly right. Well, but that's true if you do anything these days, right? That's right. Obviously. I mean, a quick look at my email would confirm that. Yeah, without a doubt. It's so true. So um, I'm just looking at my emails here. Uh, Tony, little Tony says, I got to wonder, do Trump supporters ever wonder why Russian hackers are helping Trump? (laughs) About, you know, their lack of logic and reason blows. Well, it's not a, this we have figured out, Tony. His base, it's nothing to do with reason. It is totally about emotion and uh, it's faith-based in a sense. I mean, you can't, it's like you can't argue uh, with someone who believes in something that, that there is no proof of. And these people believe, or also they're so in, they can't back out now. You just can't because they're, they'd be humiliated or something. I'd, I don't know. Um, I mean, books upon books upon treatises will be written about uh, the, what happened uh, to people's heads <laughs> uh, with, with Trump. And this is not that, I mean, you see it with any so-called populist leader, this sort of, you know, this almost like brainwashing effect. You see it with people. Right, what made Jim Jones' followers drink the Kool-Aid? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, 
Well, I'll tell you, a lot of those poor people drank the Kool-Aid because they were going to get killed anyway. You know? Some of those people were so desperate to get out. You know, the woman woman who survived that, why am I blanking on her name? You see her on TV all the time. You mean the reporter? No, 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 she wasn't a reporter. The aide to the senator. The the aide to Ryan. Representative. Who's now, uh, you see her on TV all the time because she's a... A congresswoman from, uh, right. damn, she is so impressive. She was, um, she was left for dead. I mean, she was had yeah. so many injuries laid there on the tarmac for, I can't remember how long, how she didn't bleed out, I don't know. And she has been serving this country ever since. But they were there because they, they knew that a lot of they were of, trying to, rescue, were trying to yeah. rescue a whole bunch of these people who wanted to get out and there was no way to get out. Somebody tell me who I'm we're talking about here. Oh, damn, she's a good-looking uh, Jackie Spear. Thank you, uh, Representative Jackie Spear. And uh, I, she's she's one impressive. She was a young, she was what I think in her twenties, and was yeah. an, an aide to the congressman who was killed. Jesus, unbelievable. Okay, what else we got here? Uh, That's a scary reminder that things were always awful. Well, yes, in <laughs> fact, in fact. Uh, things have always been insane, right? I mean, all you have to do is remember history. I mean, what's history? You know, Greta Gerwig, the uh, female director who was overlooked with all the other female directors uh, for an Oscar nomination this year, uh, said, and she said this before she was overlooked, she said, if you look at what Hollywood, uh, the movies they find most compelling, the ones that they love, it's men killing other men. That's right. <clears throat> or or men, you know, um, being wide, wildly uh, um successful sexually improbably um yeah. you know in it, it, they're just male or right. fantasies right. or more male violence it's about fantasies. male violence yeah. and, i mean just look at the ones that that get the nods do i i mean i think hollywood is so abysmally out of touch um these nominations in particular are just mind-blowing um, so I don't know that I even want to talk about it. I haven't seen most of the movies, and I'm not going to, because I am sick of war movies. I'm sick of them. War is, we're still making movies that are getting nominated about 1917? Give me a break. Jesus. War, That's when war. war was romantic. Yeah. The only is the only woman who ever won a Oscar for best the one who did uh a war movie. A woman did a war movie and finally got a director uh award and that was the movie was about Iraq and it was The Hurt Locker about a bomb a guy oh, who that's confused That's right. That's right. That's right. And it and it was uh yes, and it was a very manly film. Yeah, there wasn't a woman in it. Oh, no, their wife was in it. All right. So the New York Times does this uh, story today about, why, oh, the Oscar's so white. It's the Oscar's so white, the Oscar's so male. Every picture on their front page was a picture of men. And it's the same old fucking men. I'm so sick of all of them. I'm sick well, of them. here's the thing. I, I listened to why this is yesterday. If this is because the even though they the membership of the academy itself has become far more diverse, that nominating committee 
is a group of people that once on are apparently appointed for the rest of their lives. Oh, it's and like the Supreme Court. And, 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 and so they, they're all of an average age of middle 60s. They are 98% white and 77% male. And they don't get replaced until they drop off the edge of the earth. The average and age is deceased. They know what they knows what they knows, and what they knows is only men white are good at anything. It's it's just they'll do themselves. Well, I'll in. tell you what it does. Well, I'll tell you what it does between the two things that you are complaining about. Like, you don't know or care what these movies are because you are totally uninterested in them. Right. Um, and and the fact that the, the awards do not reflect the general public either. Right. Um, I think you're seeing why uh, people are turning to other places for their viewing entertainment. Exactly. And, the, and I mean, it just makes the Academy irrelevant. They're right. they're just uh, they're just taking themselves out of well, who, uh, any yeah. meaningful anything. And so who are the Golden the Globes? Dresses, yeah, care. who are the Golden Globes? Those are a bunch of uh, you know deceased uh, uh, foreigners. I mean that's that's the for, <laughs> right, right deceased uh, foreign critics, all white, all male. And these are the arbiters of what are the best st things? Hey, something tells me things are a little rigged there. <laughs> Seriously, rigged. Well, why is the foreign press spending all this time watching American TV? You would think if it's the foreign press that would, there would be a more international flavor to the whole thing, don't you? I don't know. I don't understand it. It's just because people like to get together and laud themselves. Well, that one, they, yeah, and this time they, at this one, at that one, they get to eat and drink. Yeah, they eat and drink a lot, quite clearly. Although this year they were very upset because the, uh, well, they wanted to show how woke they were, so they had a totally plant-based meal that they served. Ugh. And a lot of folks were very unhappy with it. And they said something, well, we're trying to be uh, ecologically uh, sustainable. This is local produce. And they didn't mention that all the huge floral displays had apparently been flown in from uh, exotic locales. <laughs> you know, I, just so Sick of it all. So we we now know the Russians are going to play the exact same role they played last uh, last election, uh, very openly, and uh, media will credulously sort of you know report, and people will credulously uh, take in all the crap that's uh, being directed uh, at them. And Facebook, let's get to Facebook's place in this uh, unholy, uh, I was going to say Trinity. But we are merely a platform. We have no right to decide what does and does not get put out there. Unbelievable. So, you know, Google at least said, you know what, we're not, we're going to restrict the political ads uh, this time around. And Twitter actually barred political ads entirely from its platform. So, so much for, it's only a platform. Believe me, Twitter does plenty of damage anyway. But Zuckerberg, uh-uh. And Facebook, after knowing it was party to Trump's victory, along with the Russians last time around, uh, Facebook has decided that it's going to do essentially what it did four years ago. And it has exempted politicians. I, I can't think from of a... From truth-telling. Yeah, I can't think of a... from truth-telling. Yeah, while if you have a product, you're subject to some review. 
Are you sure that product can make you fly? I don't think so. You can't advertise that. But for politicians in an important national election, Facebook says they will not be checked. They will be checked only for uh, rules that, I mean, like you can't say, I don't know. I mean, I think essentially he gave politicians a pass on the truth totally. Yeah. I mean, they can say whatever they want. And that's how Trump wins. Cheating. <laughs> um, misleading. You know, I saw that somebody got off of Facebook and said, I figured this is the only thing I can do. I, at least I'll sleep better at night. I'm getting off. I'm, I'm not going to help. I'm not going to be part of, of this. I really wish more people would do that. Get off that frigging platform. It's destroying us. Says yeah, he, I agree. The reason people don't is because Oh, they I get to see my it's, grandchildren's it's, it's, pictures. It's, it's, yeah. I stay in touch with friends who I never otherwise would. Well, fine. We all know now that our convenience, because that's what we're talking about, our convenience trumps everything. So Facebook stays, even though we know that we're enabling, by our presence on it, all of this crap. Um, Facebook operates on the principle that what is popular is what is good. Uh, now they do say... Oh, that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous thing. Are you kidding? Yeah. Now, Facebook says if a politician, for instance, were to say on their platform that the election, uh, the day you vote is Wednesday, November something, they would not allow that lie. Oh, how sweet of them. So they say they will not allow telling a voter the wrong day or leading them to the wrong polling location. But not to worry, because there's plenty of other ways that politicians manage to do that. So Facebook says it shouldn't be the arbiter of truth. And that it should stay politically neutral. <laughs> but the status quo is anything but neutral. It's, it's just bullshit. Because the way Facebook operates gives an advantage to politicians whose campaigns are good at shameless lying. And we know who that is. Well, it's a whole bunch of them. But it's mostly, <sighs> mostly. Yeah, but it's, they're all on one side, yeah. Anyway, one of the commissioners of the FEC, a woman named Ellen Weintraub, who's got no power at all, by the fact that she's a woman, she's Jewish, and obviously a Democrat. She says, Facebook has a real responsibility, and they are just shirking it. They don't want to acknowledge that something they have created is contributing to the decline of our democracy. As is Fox is News. The head of the election, the head of the election commissioner on the election commission. She's a commissioner on the FEC, but that's... Yeah. As toothless yeah, an agency yeah, yeah. as there ever was, and also right. um, is majority um, Republican. Because when you elect Donald Trump, all those agencies go over to the Republicans. Um, so this is something that I saw here in the business page of the Times a few days ago. The terms for the 2020 election are now set. This election, like the 2016 election, 
will be determined in large part by who can best exploit Facebook's reluctance to appear to be refereeing our politics. They've laid out what the rules are going to be, and now everyone has to line up behind these rules. And that that and uh, and the guy who said that is the former Facebook chief of security. And then he goes on to say, and quite frankly, there are no rules. Right. Yeah, he was disgusted by all of this. He left. He didn't want, yeah, the the end of democracy to be on on on, on his hands. Yeah, uh, and I think it's very interesting. There was an article also over the weekend, I think, about um, how uh, the the young folks who previously, you know, worked hard to get hired at Google or Facebook are these are her dream jobs. And, and now they have absolute ethical issues with working for any of them. Right, people. right. Some of these young people are really pushing back. God bless them. Or they're leaving. Um, Gigi writes, oh, thank God. I thought I was the only one who's sick of war movies and sick of white male culture movies. Yesterday on NPR, two movie culture people were being interviewed, and one question was, are the Oscars still relevant? <laughs> The one interviewee laughed, yeah, and said, were they ever? He opined that it's always been a marketing tool. Yeah, sure. And we fell for it, but we're, we're a little more aware now. Um, no. But I, don't, I do not recall ever such a dearth of... Good movies. Um, Good movie. Yeah. I mean, you well, know, because they Susan, are all uh, they are all either fantasy, right, or action, or, comic book. Or, yeah. Yeah, and that's because yeah. well, we know why because that um, that makes tons of money because it becomes international. To make a you know you can those movies are hot as hell all over the world because who decides what movie we're gonna go see? The men. Well, actually, in this case, also uh, something I I heard, it's China, who yes. um, doesn't doesn't like to see certain things yes. shown or dealt with, and so instead of re-editing for right. China, right, um, it it just defaults to China is censoring what the American public gets to see. Yeah. Um, Bob and Braddock says, did you hear about Vince Vaughn's encounter at last night's college football national championship, his encounter with Trump? No. No. Yeah, no. Well, I like it or not. Trump, by the way, I did see, was warmly received at that football game. Of course, it was in Louisiana. And he also says, I take it you didn't give an obit for Don Imus. No. Why should I? What a vile character he was. No. No. So I don't know about the Vince Vaughn thing. I'm sorry. Um, here's a little item, Susan, that I saw that freaked me out. Because <laughs> I thought, what? What? Are you looking at the... Why'd you say awe? No, because you got freaked out oh. yet again. Now oh. what was this? Well, it doesn't take much. Here, I know. <laughs> here it is. It's just, I will read it to you. It's all of two paragraphs. Religious leaders blessed a King James Bible at Washington National Cathedral Sunday to be used by the newly formed United States Space Force. During the th uh -huh. What the fuck? During the three-minute ceremony, the Right Reverend Carl Wright, the Episcopal Church's Bishop for the Armed Forces, and Federal Ministries or something said in part, May this Bible guard and guide all those who perpetrate or, or purpose 
that the final frontier be a place where God will triumph over evil, where love will triumph over hate, and where life will triumph over death. Uh, the sixth, the Space Force is now the sixth branch of the U.S. military, created in December in a defense bill signed by Trump. Uh, the Bible was donated by the Museum of Bible. Why would, excuse me, I, I just want to say, first of all, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Only Christians are going to space? Yeah, first of all, that is a Christian Bible. So only, what about the rest of us? We don't get no Bible? Um, and what's a Bible doing no, in the armed forces anyway? I mean, what the and we, what I mean, what? There's a three-minute ceremony, and there's three. There, it's at the National Cathedral. Um, what if we have a Jewish president? What happens to the National Cathedral then? Do we get a national synagogue? <laughs> Jesus, don't worry, we're not getting any I Jewish honestly, president. I was wondering about this the other day. Yeah, where, well, you know, if the off chance that Bloomberg got elected. What happens to all of these things that they hold at the National Cathedral when you got a Jewish... That, if uh, who got president? elected? If who got elected? Bloomberg. Oh. Well, he. how about Bernie? Oh, Bernie, but I don't, you know... Oh, you don't think he Bernie can? Bernie going anywhere. Well, no. that's interesting you say that. I just think... Why, he, why did yeah, I, I learn? Why no, did I learn point. in civics class, Alloway School from Mr. Bougie, that there was no state religion? Yeah. Yes. What was that a lie? Yes. I, I, right along with all men are created equal. Yeah. Um. Okay, let's see here. Actor Vince Vaughn on Monday was spotted chatting with President Trump in the box seats. So? That's it. A Vaughn representative told People Magazine that the two men did not attend the game together and said that the pair met this evening at the game briefly. Well, so? I mean, what do you want him to do, punch him in the nose? I mean, I don't know. All right. So what? Um, here's this thing. You say Bernie can't win. Here, um, Brett Stevens, who people seem to have uh, strong opinions about, had an interesting uh, piece uh, maybe last week. And he says when people say Bernie won't win, it's because they don't want him to <laughs> They don't want Bernie to win. No, they don't want him. That's what we say. If Bernie gets the the nod, then I'm voting for for Bernie. Bernie, Right, right, right. So um, he said, guys, that is what a lot of Republicans were saying about Donald Trump about this time four years ago, right? Trump? Are you kidding me? He can't win. I mean, and then he makes this case, and I want to... I'll just quote him here. As with Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump barely belonged to the party whose nomination he was seeking. That's true. As with Sanders, Trump's message was that he was fighting a rigged system. That is true. Trump won because he was willing to say loudly what his supporters believed deeply. Because in his disdain for what politicians are supposed to be and do, he exuded authenticity. Because he was hated by the people his supporters found hateful. Because he had an opponent who in the minds of his supporters epitomized corruption. And because he offered radical cures for a country he diagnosed as desperately ill. Now, all of those things can apply to Sanders, too, right? Despite right. Be- and here, despite being the oldest man ever elected president, we're talking about Trump, 
He seemed to his voters fresh, true, bold, and sorely needed. And all of that could be said. The exact same things I just read of Trump could be said of Sanders. Of Sanders, absolutely. And here he goes on. Trump, like Trump, Sanders isn't so much campaigning for office as he is leading a movement. People who join movements aren't persuaded. They are converted. Their death of belief is motivating and infectious. That stopped me in my tracks, because that is an interesting take. Very interesting take. And he says, and you think he can't win a general election? Well, yeah, he could, because he will find crossover support, frankly, from former Trump voters. People who voted for Trump for the same reason they would perhaps vote for Sanders, someone who's going to blow it up, who's seen as authentic. No, or some Sanders voters who voted Voted for Trump when he did win the... Right. Yeah, I mean, and as I said before, I think more of the non-Bernie people that are Democrats would would vote for not Trump Bernie than if uh, them Bernie supporters will vote for somebody else. any other not Trump Democrat. So don't kid yourselves, those of you who think Bernie Sanders can't get this nomination. Um, he can. And the way he's going after Warren now, if he takes all of those progressive votes, he's gonna. I think he's going to do it. Just saying. Yeah, I, Definite well possibility. Might. Hey, we've got a, a caller in, and we don't have a lot of time. But caller, uh, go ahead. We've got like about three minutes. Hey, I just wanted to point out that um, that Vince Vaughn reference, Yeah, it's proof that the right wing listens to you, okay? Because that was a little jab at you to like, aren't you going to go off on? I-, I looked online. They were like, oh, the left wing liberal media is going nuts that Vince Vaughn <laughs> talked to Trump, and it's a sign that we're near civil war, blah, blah, blah. So they wanted you to like, Go off and, you know. Do you think? I, I understand why you think yeah, that, but yeah. I'm looking at the guy who sent it, and I don't think that's true of him. He's, I don't think. I think he, Well, then to talk about Imus, too, you know what I mean? Yeah. Why bring that stuff up? And that's all like, you know, that's to poke the, the bear, right? Because, yeah. I mean, even Imus, I mean, that's so old. It's like, who? yeah, I know who he was, right? But... You know, back in the know. day, back in the day, I actually would listen uh, to Imus a little bit, um, and I thought he was um, vile, but he was smart, and sometimes he said things that I thought were, you know, right on the money, but he was so vile, and after a while, I just, I, I, I couldn't, couldn't do it anymore. Um, but he had, you know, the white male entertainment uh, thing. He had it down. He knew how to be an outrageous, say whatever he wanted. And then he went, you know, one step too far with uh, the one statement he made about, what was it, the Rutgers uh, women's uh, basketball team. And he just, without even thinking, he called them a bunch of nappy-headed hoes. That's what he called them because that's the way he always talked. And that is a great memory. Yeah, you really do. No, I, I don't. Hey, and lo- no, because somebody. A lot of people it. don't realize that Mike Pence was actually one of those guys too. I never listened to any of yes. his radio shows, but isn't that how he got his start? Yeah, yeah, it was talk radio. Sure. Yeah. Right wing right. talk radio. Right. God okay. help us. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was one step too far for Imus. Oh, God. So anyway, um, yeah, I don't give a a damn. Um, I think, Susan, I think we uh, did it. Did we do it? I think we We did did it. And my my good dog allowed me to do it. Well, I'm very happy. I really am. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay, I'm going to... 
I'm going to go now and uh, have a mammogram, which I always look forward to. And, and, and then I think I'll take my smash boobs and, and go to bed. Okay, good night. I hope you feel better. Thank you. I'm sure I will. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. And I'll see you guys tomorrow. from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.